Um, let's go to Genesis chapter 28. We're in this series on worship. We started it last week. If you weren't able to be in our last week's service and you want to catch up with us, you can go to lpcmentor.com and uh, all of the messages are on there. Uh, you can also go to our, life, our uh, Facebook page and you can catch our messages on there as well. But I want to start in Genesis 28 as we begin uh, part two of Worship Matters. Worship Matters. I want to talk to you this morning about Jacob's encounter with the Lord and his worship experience with God. This is what it says. Jacob left Beersheba and went to Haran. And when he had reached a certain place, he stopped for the night because the sun had set. Taking one of the stones there, he put it under his head and lay down to sleep. Verse 12, he had a dream in which he saw a stairway resting on the earth with its top reaching to heaven. And the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. There above it stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord your God, the father, or the God of your father Abraham and the God of Isaac. I will give you and your descendants the land which you are lying. Your descendants will be as the dust of the earth, just like he said to Abraham, and you will spread out to the west, to the east, to the north, and to the south. All peoples on earth will be blessed through you and your offspring. I am with you. And I will watch over you wherever you go. I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. When Jacob awoke from his sleep, he thought, Surely the Lord was in this place, and I was not aware of it. He was afraid and said, How awesome is this place. This is none other than the house of God. This is the gate of heaven. Early the next morning, Jacob took the stone and he had placed under his head and set it up as a pillar and he poured oil on top of it and he called that place Bethel. Father, we thank you and we praise you once again to be able to be in your presence, to be able to be with your people. Now speak to us, Lord, through your word. Give us ears to hear what you're saying to us today. It is in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. And everyone said, amen and amen. Um, this story is a powerful, powerful account of a worship experience that Jacob had with God while he is on the run from his brother Esau. And the story behind that is Jacob had tricked his father, whose eyes the Bible said had grown dim, into giving him the birthright, which was very important in, um, in early history or with the Jewish culture because the firstborn received a double portion of the inheritance of all of the family. And so it was very, very uh, uh, key and vital that, that um, you know, the firstborn would receive the double portion. And so Esau was the firstborn, but through the trickery of Jacob and his mother's assistance, they tricked Isaac. And when Isaac blessed Jacob, he could not recant what he had blessed him with. And so Jacob then was the one who would receive the double portion, the inheritance of God. Because theoretically, your Bible should say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Esau. But it doesn't say that. It says it's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, okay? So he's on the run from Esau, and he stops for the night, and he has this dream. And really what happens here is God shows up in his dream. God appears to him in his dream because physically when we sleep, we rest, our body is at rest, but your spirit man never rests. 
The spirit man never sleeps. And so God can reveal himself and show up to you in your dreams. I don't have time to talk about dreams. Maybe someday we will talk a little bit more about that in detail. And so Jacob wakes from this dream, and this is what he says. He says, this is the house of God. And he described the house of God as an awesome place. And so captivated by his experience there that night, he renamed the place Bethel, which means house of God. And I really do think that these are some of the reactions that we should have when we assemble ourselves together in this place. I know this is a school. I know that um, they have school here five days a week. But when we come here on Sunday, this becomes the house of God. This becomes the house of God. And the reason it becomes the house of God is because we are here. The Bible says whenever two or three are gathered together in his name, there I am. So I don't care if you're at Starbucks. I don't care if you're at Walmart. If you can get two or three of us together in his name, that's the church. So as we gather here on Sunday, this becomes the place or the house of God. And I think that every time we gather in this place and it becomes the house of God, that our response should be, this is an awesome place. This is none other than the house of God. This is an awesome place because we serve an awesome God. Can I get an amen right there? So when I looked at this story, I, I found uh, what I thought were eight experiences that Jacob had in his, in his worship experience and encounter with God. Now, I'm, gonna go, I'm not going to go through all eight of them today. I'm going to give you four just for time's sake because I see similarities with Jacob's experience with God and what we should be experiencing when we assemble together in this place called the house of God. And so as we come here uh, on Sundays and gather ourselves together, these are some of the things that I feel that we should be experiencing in our worship services. The first thing I want you to notice is that the Bible said that he took a stone and he rested his head on the stone. In other words, that stone became Jacob's pillow and you thought your pillow was hard, right? So this stone becomes Jacob's pillow. And there is a spiritual significance to this, uh, this pillow and this thing that's taking place in Jacob's life. And this is it, that you and I have the assurance that we can rest our head on the word of God. Instead of worrying, instead of wondering, instead of doubting, instead of being fearful, we can rest in the fact that God's word is working for us and not against us. And so you remember when Jesus asked his disciples this simple question. He said, whom do men say that I am? And, you know, they started giving him all kinds of responses. Well, some say you're Jeremiah, some say you're this prophet, some say you're that. And Jesus goes, okay, that's the opinion of others. I want to know who you think I am. Who, how have I revealed myself to you? And Peter's the one who stood up and said, well, you are the Christ. You are the anointed one. And Jesus said this to Peter. He said, listen, you didn't get that on your own. 
You didn't, you didn't get that revelation through flesh and blood. But my heavenly Father has revealed that revelation to you. And then Jesus goes on to make this statement. He said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Hang on, we're going somewhere. So what, that, what, what some people think, and there's a couple of schools of thought, but what some people think is this, because Peter's name uh, in the Greek means Petra. Uh, or Petros, I should say. And it, that means small pebble, little pebble. All right? So when Jesus said, upon this rock, there are some who subscribe to the fact that he's talking about building his church upon Peter. I'm not going to go too far into that, but there are some who buy into that. But when Jesus said, upon this rock, he did not use the word Petros. He used the Greek word Petra, which means large boulder large stone rock, mountain type rock. And so, so I'm of the opinion, and there are those who are out there uh, the same, that, that Jesus is not saying I'm going to build my church upon Peter, but he says I'm going to build my church upon the revelation that I am the Christ. He is the cornerstone in which we build everything upon, right? Everything points back to him. God doesn't build his church on man, God builds his church through us, right? He uses us for his glory and for his honor. And so what we see in this and what we bring it back to Jacob's experience is this. What I'm trying to get you to see is the stone or the rock is symbol symbolic of the revealed word of God. So you can rest your head on the rock or the re revealed word of God that the, and gives you the assurance that God's word works. And it works so that the gates of hell cannot prevail against you. No matter what's formed against you, God's word stands against that. Right? And so one of the dynamics in every worship service should be the word of God. When we come to God's house like we are today, there should be something that we can take from this place, a word that we can take from this place that we can lay our head on, spiritually speaking, that we can rest that God's got this, that God is working it out for our good. We ought to be able to rest in the assurance that God's word is working for us. The word of God is one of the key components to our worship experience with him. Right? Number two, there's an opening to the supernatural power of God. Let's talk about this for a minute because I really, really need to be careful here. Because I've been in church long enough, and some of you have too, that when I say there's an opening for the supernatural power of God, that some people see this as a license to become weird. Some of you know what I'm talking about. Some of you are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Well, hold on. The worship experience is not supposed to be weird because weird distracts. And we don't want people to be distracted. True worship attracts. It attracts us to God. And, and, and people who may come into this house and may be far from God when we worship and begin to experience the presence of God, they're not supposed to be drawn to us. They're supposed to be drawn to him. 
as we lift him up, he says, I will draw all men unto myself. And so worship is never meant to distract. Worship is always meant to attract the, the, the hearer to the presence of Almighty God. And so sometimes, you know, when, we, when, when people take this thought about, uh, about the supernatural power of God, they make it this mystical thing that we have to create some certain type of atmosphere, that we have this mystical experience, and um, that it's only for the spiritual elite. And so we have to call in the spiritual uh, special forces in order to make this happen. How many of you know that if you have if you have a mouth, if you have some hands, if you can express yourself, that's what God is looking for. God is looking for those who will express themselves in worship to him. Why? Because worship is our response to who God is and what God has done for us. Say it again. Worship is our response to who God is and what God has done for us. So it's hard for me, I don't know about you, but it's hard for me to come into a place like this, hear worship music like we just received, and be quiet about that because I know what God has done for me, and I know who God is, amen? And I know if it had not been for the Lord who was on my side, my enemies would have consumed me, but I know that God is deserves my praise. Has God done anything for anybody in this room today? If he has, let's give him some praise in this place. Now, having said that, there is a spiritual dimension to worship. Notice what Jacob said. He said, I saw this ladder. It was, it was coming down from heaven and it was upon the earth. And he says, this is Bethel. This is the house of God. So when we gather in a natural setting like we are right now, when we gather in his name, it creates an open heaven in which we have now access to the very throne room of God, and there is nothing natural about the throne room of God. The throne room of God is a supernatural place. So when heaven opens for us through a worship experience, it takes us from an ordinary environment into an extraordinary place. It takes us from a place of limits to a place where there are no limits. It takes us from a place where things are impossible to now we're in a place where all things become possible to those who believe. There is now a connection from the natural realm to the spiritual realm, and now there is a free flow that we have with God. There's a free flow that we have with God. There's an open window. There's an open heaven above us. Now, just like the stone, the ladder has some spiritual significance to it. It's symbolic. Now, let me ask you a question. Who do you think the ladder is? It's Jesus. Who do you think the connection between the earth and heaven is? It's Jesus. That's why he came here, to reconnect us back to God. So the connection from the ordinary to the extraordinary, from the natural to the supernatural is Jesus and the Bible 
tells us this. Look at John's gospel chapter number one with me. Look at this, and we're digging here, so hang on. I know we're diving deep today, but hang on. This is Jesus' response to Nathaniel. Nathaniel comes to him uh, a little bit skeptical about who Jesus is, and um, he shows up, and Jesus said, Hey, Nathaniel, um, I saw you sitting underneath that tree. And Nathaniel says, Well, you are the Christ. And Jesus says something like this. He said, Just because I was able to read your mail and tell you where you were at before you met me, that's, that's enough to make you think and know that I am the Christ. And he says, I'm going to tell you, you haven't seen anything yet. And then he gets to this verse right here, and he says, And then he added, Very truly, I tell you, watch me now, you will what? Come on, help me. What? You're going to see heaven open. So what is he saying? He said, there's an access now. What's been blocked off because of sin, because of the fall of man, what's been blocked off is about to be reopened for you. I'm about to open things up for you again. Now watch this. Remember Jacob's vision? What did he see in the vision? He saw the ladder. What did he see on the ladder? He saw angels what? What were they doing? They were ascending and descending. What? On the ladder. Now, Jesus does what in this scripture? He identifies himself as that ladder. He said, angels are ascending and descending where? Upon the Son of Man. So Jacob, thousands of years before Jesus makes it to the earth, has this vision. Now, Jacob didn't really know and realize that it was Jesus, but God was letting him know the connection between earth and heaven is going to be Jesus. He's the one that's going to open up the heavens for us to give you access back to me. Aren't you thankful that Jesus came to open up heaven for us? Aren't you thankful this morning that we are now connected to the Father? And when we assemble in this place like we are today, like we are today, there is an open heaven above us, access to the very throne room of God. And so what this tells me is this, two things. Number one, when people come to this house in this worship experience, we need to be sure that they know the link between heaven and earth, the connection between heaven and earth. Jesus is the connection. Put it this way, he's the only way back to the Father, right? Jesus is the only, there is no other way. There's no other ladder. There's no, he is the only way, right? So watch this. So now we have the written word, laid his head on the stone. Now we have the revealed word, the ladder, the revealed word. I would say it this way too. I would say the logos, which is God's written word, that's your Bible. And then the rhema word is when God reveals himself to you through scripture. Um, how many of you have ever been reading a scripture and all of a sudden it's as though that scripture jumps off the page and you're like, that's me. God's speaking to me. That's called a rhema word. God is revealing himself. That's my situation. That's God revealing himself to you. So what's happening right now as I'm, as I'm uh, teaching and preaching right now, what's happening is you're hearing the Logos word of God, the written word, I read it to you, but you're also receiving the rhema word of God, the revealed word of God. God is, God is showing us, listen, you can't go anywhere in the Bible and not see Jesus in it. You can't go anywhere in the Bible and not see Jesus somehow in what you're reading. Can I get an amen right there? 
So we have that, all right? Now heaven's open. Say heaven's open. So we're under this open heaven, which brings me to the third point of a worship experience, and that is the dimension of prayer. Prayer is another component of every worship service. All right, now listen, I'm just talking about this service, these services that when we come together. Worship is more than a song, and I'm going to zoom out on that next week and really, really broaden our, our, our uh, perspective of worship. But just for today's message, I'm zeroing in right here on what happens in this place on Sunday morning. So, the, the third component is that of prayer. Listen to what the Bible says. The Bible said what? The angels were what? upon the ladder. So here's what you have to understand. In every worship service, like today, where the Word of God is being preached, and we have praised and worshiped Him in song. In other words, Jesus is exalted. What happens now, because we're under an open heaven, what happens now, our angels are drawn into this atmosphere. Now, you and I can't see them because they live in an invisible world. Is this too much? Okay, just we'll make sure. Hollywood understands this. I mean, how many movies have they made twisting the role of angels, but they understand there's another world that sits on top of this world. There's a spiritual world that sits on top of this one. Well, the prophet, the prophet Elisha said, hey, God, why don't you open this guy's eyes because his servant was freaking out because there was an army encamped about them. He said, you know, Elisha said, why don't you just open this guy's eyes so that he could see that there is a host of angels that are encamped about us so that he understands there's more for us than there is against us. Listen, if you don't get anything else today, just go home with this. There's more for you than against you. Come on, there's more for you than against you. And so angels are ascending and descending into this place, and I'll tell you why in a minute. But I just want to prove my, my point right here. Listen to what the great psalmist David said. The prince of worship. Listen to what he says, Psalms, or Psalms 138. He says, Lord... With all of my heart, how are we supposed to worship God? With all of our heart. Didn't Jesus tell us that? Love the Lord your God with how? how? All your heart. So there's affection behind that. There's passion behind that. That's why you saw some people in here passionate about their worship because we are to love God with all of our heart. David said it. He said, Lord, with all of my heart, I'm going to thank you going to praise you, going to express my gratitude towards you. How, Lord? I'm going to sing your praises before the armies of angels. David knew it. He said when praise and worship is happening, angels are drawn into that arena. New Testament. The angel of the Lord appears to shepherds in the field. I'm at Christmas now. The, angels of the, Lord, the angel of the Lord appears to the shepherds in the field, and they do what? They make an announcement that the Savior has been born. He's in Bethlehem, right? As soon as he makes that announcement, what happens? 
The Bible said there's a host of angels that gather in that setting where the word, the announcement of Jesus, that they're gathered in that setting. And this is what happened. Read it. It's in your Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 13. The Bible said that the host of angels showed up and began to praise God. So we have some partners in this room today. When we begin to praise God and when we begin to worship God, angels begin to show up. They are in this setting. But listen, they're not only here to join worship, they're here on assignment. Angels are here on assignment. Look at what your Bible teaches us. Hebrews chapter uh, 1, verse 14. And it was just talking about the previous verses, the role of angels. So if you want to go on and read about that, you can on your own time. Um, let me just... Uh, insert this here. We are never to worship angels. As a matter of fact, 1 Peter 1 and 12 says this about angels. They are amazed when they watch us worship. And here's why. Because we are the ones who have experienced redemption. They've never experienced that. They wonder, they, they marvel of what it's like to be able to experience what you and I have experienced. God's amazing grace. They marvel at our worship because we are the redeemed and let the redeemed of the Lord say so, right? So they just join in with us and they're, they're celebrating with us. But here, listen to what it says. These are spirit messengers sent to do what? For who? If you're born again, God dispatches his angels to help and to care for us. This is why your Bible also says, be careful because some of us have entertained angels and we didn't even know we were entertaining angels. Well, where did that person come from? How did they know what I needed? I mean, I had this flat tire, it's raining, and all of a sudden this stranger shows up, and now they're, and then they're gone. <laughs> I won't share it. Be careful, because you don't know who God is sending your way to help. And sometimes God has sent angels to help us, to care for us. Your Bible, I told the first service, I spent five hours on this one point, because your Bible is full of examples of angels assisting the redeemed of the Lord. Full of it. Old Testament, New Testament, even in our lives as well. What's the Bible say? They are ministering spirits, and their first ministry is their ministry to God. And it's their worship. The Bible says that they're around the throne of God and they're crying, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, continually, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty. Isaiah got a vision of this in Isaiah chapter 6. God peeled back that, that dimension I was telling you about. And Isaiah saw the angels of the Lord worshiping God. And Isaiah said, I'm unclean and I'm undone. And the Bible said that God sent an angel with a coal from the altars from heaven 
and touched the lips of the prophet Isaiah and cleansed his lips. Supernatural things taking place in the realm of worship. So we have angels that are worshiping and then angels that are assisting. Now I'm going to help somebody right here. If you want to get your angels off of the unemployment line and get them on assignment, enter into worship. Enter into prayer. Because when you enter into worship and you enter into prayer, that's when God sends his angels on assignment, ascending and descending upon that ladder to carry out the will of God. And I have to be careful. I don't want to spend, and I have spent a lot of time on this, but I just want you to see that there is a heavenly assistance that comes our way when we worship God. We have the blood. We have the word. We have the name of Jesus. We have, we have the armor of God, but we also have the back of God with the armies of God. Amen. He has our back up. Come on. Let's give him praise. So just to prove my point, let's look at a story. Let's look at this. Um, angels on assignment. Peter is in prison. The apostle Peter is in prison. All right. James, his counterpart, has already been murdered. What, was their, what were they guilty of? Preaching the gospel. All right. So the only reason they think that Peter hasn't been murdered is because it's on a holiday. All right. So here's what the Bible says. But earnest prayer was what? Going up to God. Where? From the church. So they know Peter's in trouble and the church is praying. Right? That's what we do. We pray. So they're in this church setting and they're praying. What were they praying for? For his safety. For all the time that he was in prison. The night before he was to be executed, he was asleep. Peter's a bad man, I'm telling you right now. He was asleep. Look at this. Double chained between two soldiers. So there are two soldiers in the prison cell with him, chained to him. The Bible said that there were two soldiers stationed outside of the, of the cell. So two on the inside, two on the outside. And they're standing guard over this one man. He's sleeping. All right, next verse. When suddenly there was a light in the cell and an angel of the Lord stood beside Peter and the angel slapped him on the side to awaken him. Some of you have had to smack some people to get them up every now and then. Get up! So deep in sleep was this man that the angel had to knock him on the side to wake him up. The angel slapped him to wake him up and said, quick, get up. And the chains fell off. Powerful. When suddenly, or the angel told him, get dressed, put your shoes on. And he did. Now put your coat on and follow me. The angel ordered him. Angels on assignment. So Peter left the cell, was following the angel, but all the time he thought it was, a, it was a dream or a vision, and he didn't believe it was really happening. You know there are some things in your life that if you didn't know any better, you wouldn't believe it was happening. That's the supernatural that I'm talking about right now. That's the supernatural that I'm talking about right now. You go from what is limited to limitless. 
ordinary, extraordinary, natural, supernatural. How many of you know that's not natural? That's supernatural, all right? And so he's walking. The angel gets him to a certain point, gets into that place, and the angel left him. I told you, be careful of uh, people who show up in your life because you just never know. And then he went on to the house where they were praying for him, knocks on the door. Finally, they let him in because the thing they were praying for, when it showed up at their door, they didn't believe it was there. A lot of times we're praying for things, God shows, it shows up and we're like, well, what did you expect? You were praying for it. If you're going to pray for it, you might as well receive it. Amen. Say, I receive. Come on, say, I receive. Say it like you mean it. I receive. Say, angels are on assignment in my life to help me and to care for me in Jesus' name. Come on, give God praise if you believe that right now. I close with this. Here's the fourth experience. God reveals himself personally to Jacob. So Jacob is, again, in this dream. And up until this point, this was Jacob's revelation of God. He knew that he was the God of Abraham, his godfather, or grandfather. He knew that he was the God of Isaac, his father, but he himself personally didn't know him as God. It's not enough for it to be your grandmother, grandmother or grandfather's God, your parents' God. He has to become personal to you. You have to have that personal encounter and relationship with him. I'm going to ask our music team to come as I just kind of bring this to an end. Nobody else leaving, just to bring the music team up. This is what he says to Jacob. He said, I am the Lord God. I am the Lord God. It's the Hebrew word um, Jehovah. And this is what it means. I am the self-existing one. In other words, he said, I exist all by myself. I don't need anybody to make me God. Nobody made me God. Nobody will make me God. Nobody's going to keep me being God. I exist all by myself. I was, I am, and I will be. Come on. I was, I am, and I will be. This is who I am to you. I am. He said the same thing to Moses. God, who should I say sent me? Tell him I am sent, sent you. I am what? I'm anything you need. You need manna? I'm manna. You need water? I'm water. You need protection? I'm your protection. You tell them I am that I am sent you. This is what he's revealing to Jacob. I'm everything you need. Can I tell you that's what he wants to reveal himself to us? He's everything you need. It's not God plus. It's God all by himself. He is all you need. Do you believe that today? He's all you need. 
You know, Jacob's still working out his salvation. He's still working out his revelation of God. And remember, Jacob's a con man, right? He just stole his brother's birth, birthright. He's a trickster. That's Jacob means trickster. So he's trying to cut a deal with God. God's still working on him. God's still working on me. God's still working on you because we ain't all there yet. Don't see any halos in this place today. Just go ahead and play, Jay, and I want you to look at Jacob's response to his encounter, the, the encounter with God. Jacob vowed this vow to God, if God will help and protect me on this journey, give me food and clothes and bring me back safely to my father, I will choose Jehovah as my God. Go ahead. And this memorial pillar shall become a place for worship. In other words, this has been a defining moment in my life. This is an awesome place, and I, I don't want to forget about this place. I don't want to forget about this moment, so I'm going to build me an altar right here. And he says, I will give you back a tenth of everything you give to me. If I was talking to you about the tithe, I would tell you it became, it was a tithe before the law was ever even in existence. If I was talking about the tithe, I would tell you it goes all the way back to the garden where God said, that tree over there is mine, don't touch it. But I'm not, so I won't. So what Jacob is saying, I'm gonna give you my time, I'm going to give you my treasure, and I'm going to give you my talent. If you do these things for me, I'm all in, God. But what Jacob didn't realize, we already read it. God said, didn't God already tell him, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to be with you. These are my promises to you. I'm going to do all of these things. He missed it. But do you realize that's what God tells us? God says, don't worry about these things. Take no thought for tomorrow. Let that take care of itself. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these other things you have need of, I'll add them to you. You don't need to go searching for those things. The only thing you need to search for is me. Seek me. When you find me, all these other things will begin to manifest in your life. Why? 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 Because that's the order of God. And anytime we get this out of order, God first and foremost, anytime we get this out of order, it blocks all of these other things from manifesting in our life. Put him first, and all of these things will be added to you. Would you stand to your feet this morning? worship experience the word of God it's taught it's revealed 
heaven opens. Jesus has lifted up a ladder. Jesus is lifted up. Angels begin to move on assignment. Warring, working on your behalf. prayers and the praises that have gone up from your lips. But more important than any of those things is that last thing that I talked about and probably should have spent more time on that than any other. That's your personal experience with God. I can't do that for you. They can't do that for you. Mom and dad can't do that for you. That has to come from you. That you open in your heart to him. So, Father, we open ourselves to you this morning. We come to you, Lord. And we admit we don't have it all together. Like Jacob, there's still issues in our life that we're trying to work through, that we're struggling with. And sometimes, sometimes, God, that makes us feel unworthy that we can't approach you. But you already told us that all of our works are as filthy rags before you. Our righteousness is as filthy rags before you. It's not based upon us, it's based upon Jesus and his righteousness. We don't come in our name, we come in his name. We come in his name. He's the ladder, he's the link. He's the one that connects us to you. So we come to you today with a humbled heart, a sincere heart, that we just want to be closer and to know you deeper. That's our prayer. And that's what I'm going to ask you to do this morning. If you feel like, God, I just want to get closer and I want to go deeper. Would you just join me in this altar right now? God, I want to, I just want to go deeper. I want you to reveal yourself greater to me. Would you join me in this altar? Come on, we're running out of time. But if that's you, I want you to come. As they sing, I want you to just get out of your seat and come. Or maybe you're here this morning. And you need the angels of the Lord to be on assignment for you. you got some things going on in your life right now. You need some heavenly assistance. Because it's not working for you naturally. You need some supernatural assistance right now in your life. You need some angels on assignment to show up in your life. If that's you, I want you to come. Come on. 